Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Let's kick our addiction to fossil fuels and let's develop the local solar and wind power that is right at our fingertips. Hey there, solar warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. All right, Solar Warriors, welcome to this edition of a Suncast Soundbite, a brief morsel of sunshine to get you through the weekend. We haven't done a soundbite in quite a while, but recently something popped onto my radar that I think is worth sharing. Today, I'm learning from PJ Wilson, founder and president of the Solar and Energy Storage Association of Puerto Rico, CESA are its letters. We'll call it CESA from here on out. PJ is a serial nonprofit founder, which in itself is a story for a longer suncast. CESA successfully advocated for what some are calling Puerto Rico's new green deal. That's Senate Bill 1121, which will help Puerto Rico reach the ambitious requirement of 100% renewables by 2050. We're going to dig into that today. Also, if you haven't checked it out, we have over 150 more great founder stories and solar startup advice at mysuncast.com. While you're there, do check out the Suncast Tribe, my inner circle of listeners and trusted advisors who receive exclusive content that goes beyond the scope of these Suncast episodes. Click the Become a Member button where you can learn more. For now, get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, as we dive into this Suncast soundbite with PJ Wilson. In February 2018, in response to the blackout caused by Hurricane Maria, PJ moved to Puerto Rico and despite his declaration of retirement from organizing, wound up founding CESA. Now with 18 member companies representing the majority of the solar and battery storage market on the island, CESA is squarely focused on growing the solar and storage industry through clean energy policy, creation and implementation direct dialogue with PREPA, the island regulatory body for energy, and coalitions building to address challenges along the way. PJ, did I get all that right? Absolutely. Glad to be on your show. I heard that less than 50% of Americans realize that Puerto Rico is part of the United States of America. So maybe this can help elevate the consciousness of Puerto Rico is in fact part of the United States. The bill that hopefully the governor will be signing this week will put it on the map as one of the first areas of the nation to declare energy independence with a 100% renewable energy requirement. So let's talk about it. Tell me more about what James Ellsmore, our friend, coined Puerto Rico's new green deal, this Senate Bill 1121. Well, it really is an exciting piece of legislation. It was actually required as part of a bill that passed last year in the summer that had to do with the privatization of PREPA. It said that by the end of 2018, the legislature was to pass a law clearly defining the public policy on energy for the island. The whole idea being that before there's a change in the utility model, whoever's involved in that should know what they're getting into. So it didn't quite pass by the end of 2018, but it got pretty close to passing and just had its final vote in the House last week, I think. 
and it's on the governor's desk now for signature. What the bill does is it says that by the year 2025, Puerto Rico will have 40% of its electricity come from renewable sources, which is defined as solar and wind, in addition to landfill gas and biomass, very similar to most other jurisdictions that have a, a renewable portfolio standard. The remarkable thing about the law is the aggressiveness of it. Puerto Rico only has around 2.7% of its electricity that comes from renewables right now. The vast majority is from fuel oil plants, actually, natural gas, and there's one coal plant that is set for retirement in 2027. So another feature of the bill that says that there will not be any generation from coal starting in 2028. And that's because the only operating coal plant is set for retirement in 2027. So it's a legal declaration that once that coal plant retires, that'll be the the end of the story for coal on the island. PJ, would you unpack for us not just the importance of this legislation, which is somewhat obvious for the solar industry, but how did this unfold? What were some of the mechanisms that you and others in the association were working on over the last month that helped to mold this into something that the current legislature thought was viable? There were a few different committees that came together to give input early on in the crafting of this legislation. The bill's primary sponsor, his name is Senator Larry Selhammer. He put together his own committee of trusted confidants on the island to give him input early on. And then last summer, the Rocky Mountain Institute came to the island and did a project similar to what they've done on other Caribbean islands, which is to get together the key stakeholders to help facilitate a dialogue between them about what should energy policy look like. They partnered up with a local nonprofit called ICSI, and they put on these public collaborative workshops is what they called. They had 42 people representing different local organizations, and I was lucky enough to be involved because I had formed CESA. So at that point in time, I was a local Puerto Rican representing the local solar and storage companies. During those workshops, they had Senator Larry Selhammer participate. They had the leading senator from the minority party. His name is Eduardo Batia participate. They had representatives of the environmental groups and uh, the solar industry and the natural gas industry. And it resulted in a report that they put out. It recommended a 100% renewable portfolio standard along with a long list of, of other policies. So it, it really provided a, a potent roadmap for the bill. But the key cornerstone of it was, hey, now is a time that Puerto Rico can actually declare energy independence with a 100% requirement of clean energy by some date and time. And ultimately, the, the legislators settled on 2050. The idea was that that legislation, once it was filed, it was just two weeks before the end of the legislative session, and the idea that it would pass really quickly, and it actually did pass pretty quickly, but not as quickly as people thought. So by the time it actually had its final vote in the Senate, it was 46 hours before the end of legislative session. And the assumption was that the House would just take, the Puerto Rico House would just take it up and pass it immediately, but that didn't happen. So since that didn't happen, the legislature adjourned and it didn't take it back up until the end of January when they reconvened. 
what we actually saw happen was during that time, there was only two changes that happened. Because CESA was well organized, we were able to engage and respond with two key concerns that were brought up and turn them into strengthening the language so it's even better for the solar industry. PJ, this is really exciting. It's great news for the industry. Having been through previous booms in Puerto Rico, I have to have my skeptical filter on here. And I want to understand you're on the ground, you're daily fighting this battle on behalf of our industry, on behalf of the local constituency there in Puerto Rico. But I have to ask, why is this time different? Let's just assume the governor does sign it into law. It's not any different than the previous renewable energy generation legislation that was signed into law that PREPA systematically deconstructed and turned into mush. Historically, not much of a track record of Puerto Rico meeting any form of ambitious obligations. Could you help us understand why the industry should care now? Why should we believe that this time it's going to work? There is already a current 20% renewable portfolio standard in place in Puerto Rico that requires 12% renewable energy right now. But we're only at 2.7%. That's something that I learned after I was on the island for a couple of months. Like, wait a second, there is a renewable portfolio standard. Why isn't it being enforced? I think there's two key reasons why this bill is actually going to work. One is what's happening right now. Just you giving some exposure through your listenership here, with sunshine being the, the best disinfectant. It seems like when Puerto Rico passes a policy in the past, it hasn't taken much notice from the rest of the mainland, United States or, or internationally. So whether or not Puerto Rico complies with its own laws has been sort of a meh. But now there is a lot of attention. Puerto Rico is in the international spotlight nationally and, and internationally. So what happens with this policy will be covered by, by you, by, by Bloomberg, by whoever is, is tracking this issue will have a lot more exposure than Puerto Rico has had in the past. And the other reason that I would say it's actually going to work this time around is that what we're seeing is the solar and storage industry, which would be the primary industry that makes this 40% renewable energy into reality, is now organized. The uh, nonprofit that I founded a year ago, the Solar and Energy Storage Association of Puerto Rico, it is now the local affiliate of SIA, the National Solar Energy Industries Association. My role has just been as a convener to say, okay, who wants to step forward and participate in advocacy for this bill? Who wants to step forward and participate in the regulatory implementation of it? Who wants to help put on this conference? We're putting on a big conference at the end of April called Solar Power Puerto Rico in conjunction with SIA and SIPA, both the national solar promotion entities. It's been just sort of a magical process to see which companies put forward their leadership, their CEOs, or their attorneys, or their media specialists, or whatever they can do to help respond to the exciting potential that's here in Puerto Rico right now. One of the things that people I find is so, I mean, not only do they not recognize that Puerto Rico is, in fact, part of the United States, that its citizens are our brethren, but they also somehow don't realize that Puerto Rico has had a boom of solar energy for many years now. Luis Morales and I talked about it on his show, how Enphase had like an 80% penetration on the island, which was a number of many numbers of megawatts of solar. But would you be able to highlight some statistics of the current industry penetration? What does that 2.5% look like in terms of solar numbers and storage numbers? Where do you think that can grow to? Roughly half of the renewable energy that's here is, is from solar. 
about two thirds of that is from utility scale and one third is from rooftop. We have um, these numbers are from two years ago, but we had 127 megawatts of utility scale solar, which actually is the same today because we haven't had any new utility scale developments in the last couple of years and 88 megawatts of distributed generation. Now that 88 number is more like 120 megawatts now. So it's, it's about a 50-50 mix of utility scale and distributed generation, which is sort of a nice feeling because looking forward in order to get to that 40% renewable energy by 2025, it's going to take, I think, a roughly equal push on the utility scale side and on the distributed generation side to, to get there. Can we put it into context, by the way, because some people don't really understand what the total energy mix requirement is, right? Like for islands, I mean, I've worked, you and I've worked in Central America a lot where we look at an entire market's requirement in the single digit gigawatts. But what's the total gigawatt or gigawatt hour requirement for Puerto Rico to completely be renewable? So a renewable portfolio standard says the percentage of electricity that's actually sold to customers a certain percentage has to come from renewables. So you can imagine once we get to 100%, that means all electricity sold will come from renewables. But along the way, for instance, the first stair step of 40% renewable energy by 2025, what that means, if that was to be met with solar alone, that would be 5,000 megawatts of solar developed in the next six years in Puerto Rico. Now, compare that with the peak demand on the island, which is just 2.5 gigawatts at any moment in time. And that tells you that you have to have a lot of storage in the mix. We can't just have solar because once we get to five megawatts, we'll be exceeding the total demand on the whole island. So we'll need solar, mostly in the form of battery storage. We might need some pumped hydro. There will be some technology that will need to be implemented to be able to handle the implementation of the, the really quick scale of intermittent solar and wind. That's part of what's attracting a lot of industry to the island is how to meet those technological challenges, not just how can we build a lot of solar quickly and how can we deploy a lot of distributed generation quickly, but how do we also tackle the need for microgrids around the island and all the different technology, the wires and the non-wires and the other gizmos that you need to have all this stuff balanced and working well during the next blackout, really, that's the impetus for this, is we could have a hurricane three months from now, and Puerto Rico was not very much more prepared now than they were before Hurricane Maria. So there is this ongoing sense of, of urgency and, and anxiety that's mixed with the excitement, and that's probably the number one thing that will keep things moving forward, is the hurricane season that happens every year from, from June through October. Every year, there's going to be a real chance for a power outage. A lot of Puerto Ricans died after the Hurricane Maria, a, a lot more moved off the island. Hopefully, we'll kind of turn around the trajectory of Puerto Rico's population decline. The population of Puerto Rico peaked at around 4 million people, and it's down to around 3 million right now. So this is a part of the kind of uh, overall vision for a revitalization of Puerto Rico itself is, hey, let's kick our addiction to fossil fuels and bringing in fossil fuels on boats to the island and let's develop the local solar and wind power that is right at our fingertips. Are there any anecdotal numbers or evidence for the growth of storage? I know just from independent conversations I've had that it seems like anybody who's selling storage right now into the island is selling out. Like there's just a, such a demand for it. But do you have any numbers anecdotally of what's existing? It's interesting because a few weeks ago, PREPA filed its 20-year its IRP 
and it definitely did not say anything like let's ramp up solar and, and renewables quickly. It was very combined cycle natural gas centric. That was based on the existing law. Uh, it, it was before this uh, Senate Bill 1121 passed. So once Senate Bill 1121 passes, it's it's not just 40% renewables by 2025, it's 60% renewables by 2040. So that defines the 20-year planning horizon. So the answer to this question of how much solar are we going to need, how much storage are we going to need in the mix, will be detailed in this 20-year planning process called the IRP. So companies that want to get involved in that and, and want to quantify the market and want to see how big their piece of the pie can be really should roll up their sleeves and get involved in the IRP process, which they can do as part of CESA, as part of the local industry association and or on their own, depending on the, the resources they have and how deep they want to dive into it. We're going to be advocating within the IRP process to promote the healthiest, quickest growth of solar and storage on the island that integrates with the... No doubt you will. And I'm, I'm certain that you guys will have success. Everyone else who's standing around the, the outside of the ring looking in, thinking, do I jump into the fight, is asking the same question that I'm thinking in my mind. Look, everything in the Caribbean, everything in Latin America works on island time or Latino time. How long till we actually start to see implementation? In your crystal ball, do you see that folks are arriving in mass and starting to really install mainland level penetrations of DG this year, next year? What do you think, PJ, if you had a look in your crystal ball? Well, the island certainly attracted a lot of interest from developers that are all asking that question of how long is it going to be before really big projects move forward. We're starting to see that happen, definitely on the residential scale. There's an uptick in, in installations, and there's there's definitely an uptick in storage. Uh, b- before Hurricane Maria, it was rare to have someone add storage to their solar system when they installed, but now it's close to 100% of solar that's installed on the residential and commercial scale that has has storage because that's the sort of main driver for it. The things that are slowing down the potential rapid deployment of solar and storage on the island, there's a couple of factors. One is uh, overall lack of financing available. So you got to keep in mind that Puerto Rico itself, for, for unrelated reasons to the hurricane and the months leading up to the hurricane, the utility company itself declared bankruptcy and the entire society declared bankruptcy. The whole island is in the midst of a, a federally controlled bankruptcy process. So the, the technology is there. The industry is there, but there's good reason to pause as far as, okay, well, who can actually make good on financial commitments on the island? Can the utility make good on their financial commitments? Maybe, but this utility is in the midst of going through a process to be sold to Duke Energy or one of other three pre-qualified bidders at this point. The lack of financing security is one thing that's uh, that's uh, holding back projects that would otherwise be under development right now. There's also a lot of anticipation about federal funding that can help. There's $436 million already approved by not only by U.S. Congress, but by the Department of Housing that's completely signed off on. But last week, there were some tweets that came out of the executive branch that said that no more funding will come to Puerto Rico. So will $20 billion, will $90 billion of funding come to the island? If so, a big chunk of that will probably go to help address these financing concerns of the industry. But that can't be depended on. It's not bankable yet. 
So what we're seeing is local grassroots financing options that are coming up. There's six local banking cooperatives that are offering financing products to residential and commercial customers. And they've recently gotten together to develop a combined app for sort of instant credit approval. So we're, we're seeing uh, this overwhelming demand matriculate into new creative financing options that are coming up, but it's, it's definitely not a sort of normal market. Like for companies that want to get involved in Puerto Rico, I say, well, you, you have to take some time. You have to let your eyes adjust to the contrast of the local political situation. It's not a market that you can just jump into. It's a market you need to make a commitment to and invest some, some time and resources on the front end to get to know the lay of the land. I like the way you put that, PJ, allowing your eyes to adjust to the contrast in the markets. Those who surely are standing around wondering what's happening and wondering how and when they can jump in would want to learn more. And you guys have the first solar power Puerto Rico coming. What is it? April 30th? April 30th and May 1st is the first Solar Power Puerto Rico conference. So companies that are wanting to get involved in the market, I'd say it's a two-step process. First, come to that conference. You can sponsor or exhibit if you'd like. Second is join CESA, join the local industry association. We're really being turned to as the voice of the industry. We have seen those results of that in the 100% renewable energy law that's about to pass, and we'll see the results of that on implementation of the law if the industry remains united as it grows. We're fans of Puerto Rico here on Suncast. Of course, I'll be there joining you at Solar Power Puerto Rico. Excited for what you and the CESA contingent are helping push forward on this wonderful island that we call part of our United States. Thank you, PJ, for all your hard work. And we'll certainly have you back on the show to talk about how this is progressing. That's a wrap on today's Suncast Soundbite with PJ Wilson of Puerto Rico's Solar Energy and Storage Association. Don't go away as I have some goodies for you. Hint, they might include discounts. I hope you enjoyed this shorter form insight into what's happening in a market that I think you should be paying attention to. If you'd like to have a closer look at my notes from today's discussion, do click on that listen button on mysuncast.com, which will take you to the episodes page where you can get the show notes, social links, and reading recommendations PJ and I discuss. I'll also link to the registration page for PJ's upcoming Solar Power Puerto Rico event, April 30th to May 1st. And for being a faithful Suncast listener, you'll also find a discount code on the blog page for 10% off of the show. So head over to mysuncast.com, click on the blog page for this episode, and look for that discount code. Of course, if you're in my email list, you'll get that discount code delivered to your inbox. And finally, if you missed it yesterday, my friend James Ellsmore and I hosted a webinar where we not only discussed the SPPR show that's coming up, but we gave a preview to a one-day mastermind that we're putting on April 29th. You can learn more and watch the replay of the webinar by going to attendprecharge.com. Again, you can watch that replay and learn more about our exclusive one-day mastermind by going to attendprecharge.com. As always, I'm grateful that you chose to be here. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.